0: It's it's kind of funny is that I, I wound up doing a lot of study on, uh, on the whole Martian thing because uh, a friend of mine over in in the UAE and I we we did a, we were doing we we were actually proposing VR habitats for you know for people you know in in Mars colonies and that sort of thing because you're gonna wind up in these you know relatively cramped quarters you know or you're gonna be on a on a ship for two years and that sort of thing. And you need a way to feel like you're not, you know, in a can, you know? So this is one, one thing, one really good, really good psychological use
1: for PR, you know? Artist, writer, and curator, Patrick Lichty, returns to the Plutopia podcast as we explore the future. We do a deep dive into Web3, crypto, bad actors on the internet, Meta in the metaverse, Second Life, science fiction, and life on Mars.
2: The future uh, is already here. It's just not evenly distributed.
0: Yeah, and that's more unevenly distributed in some parts than others.
2: The future is uh, uh, from one perspective, a person could look at what's happening in the world and say that one possible future, um, some fear it's inevitability, is that authoritarians will take control throughout the world, and right. that the project of democracy will will be pretty much dead. And mm. then there's other people who are, you know, um, working in various ways to sustain democracy. We there's some stuff that's happening in the so-called Web three, the the idea of decentralization. Yeah. Uh, the, the decentralization will uh, uh, will undermine authoritarian attempts. Uh, I'm not sure that, I mean, I don't really completely understand how the decentralization uh, strategies work. For instance, with a DAO or Decentralized Autonomous Organization, okay. I mean, I kind of understand what that is a decentralized organization. And I've been part of a decentralized organization before. Sure. Uh, but I'm not really sure I understand exactly how it works. Well,
0: you especially know, there, at it, scale. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, maybe we can go down a little bit. But what what happens is that I think about three, point, uh, three points. And there's, I kind of like, I, I really, really, really love old. You know telecommunications art there was a guy named robert adrian who used to use um he used to use um uh old um and actually i i i still use these things old ham radio video transceivers called slow scan and i still have a stack of these things and i i'm i you know i i use you know this old decrepit stuff to make weird video art but uh what he said is he said when you get two people online talking together and he said this 19 somewhere between 1978 and 1971 I forget the exact year um I'd have to look I'd have to look the essay but I think probably about 81 I think and he says uh get two people online you know communicating that sort of thing and then there was a virtual space that in that um um there you go and um that's, um, that emerges between those two people. And, uh, you know, on one hand, you know, between artists, you know, we've always thought that it's, that it would be this great free space. And I'll go over to our friend, um, J.P. Barlow in just a second. And so what happened is, is that, uh, um, but, you know, what Adrian said is, is that it would uh, almost inevitably you know, collapse back into the superstructure, you know, like, uh, you know, because the internet was created by DARPA, and, you know, you wind up, we wind up having, you know, um, wind up having uh, capital, you know, basically wanting to, wanting to leverage, you know, whatever it can, and so, you know, what I, I was, I was listening to John Perry Barlow talk, he did do the, you know, uh, decoration of the independence of cyberspace and talking about, you know, that this is a new, this is a new free space online that doesn't, you know, that, that is, that is autonomous and does not, you know, put itself to any, um, you know, uh, existing, um, you know, nation state or, or corporation and whatnot. And, Um, although I love that piece, it sounded oddly similar to, you know, the web three and crypto crowd and that sort of thing. And there was sort of like saying, guess what? We don't have to deal with that. And, you know, we don't, this is a new space where we can be free. And, um, and then I kind of go back to Adrian and, uh, thinking of the fact that, you know, it seems, you know, now that, um, you know some of the you know some of the traditional forces you know that uh, that's you know some of our our cyber utopianism you know kind of you know is pushing against are some of the things that you know swallow the stuff up as fast as you know, we generate it.
1: it. Sounds like people who originally espoused the uh, you know, free and open internet didn't expect. The kind of people to be showing up that we're seeing now the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and they're online.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think actually, though, we should have known better because I know that at the time, say in 1992 93, when we were doing fringe wear, yeah, what we were saying is throughout. The world and and across America, especially I mean, we were kind of U.S. centric at the time. So we'd say across America, there's uh, there are people in every little town and village who really don't feel like they fit and they feel like they're sort of on the fringes of things and they can find each other on the Internet, uh, which is right. kind of what happened. But what we didn't really think about is that some of those people might have malicious intent
0: yeah it's you know so i mean on one hand and and what i'm about to say you know i'm i'm making a false false metaphor you know and what i'm about to say but i mean i used to be for a long time part of that an activist group called the yes Men that used to you know uh and they're still around but i'm just you know um i'm not active with them currently at the moment and um what happens is is that um you know going and doing corporate pranks and and doppelganging and things like that and so the thing is is that um you know kind of how picasso used to say you know artists are uh you know liars who expose the truth you know and that sort of thing or in in other words kind of like jonathan swift in the model's proposal in other words he put that out saying hey guess what we can take care of the potato famine you know by eating the children of the irish you know it's like th- this is expected to be pulled out you know but um you know you have people out there who are who are um you know talking about stuff that um you know they they don't want you to call them out they want you to believe them you know and, and you know in other words and uh it's a little little interesting you know so and you know and before that there was that guy who kind of like you know who punked pbs and that sort of thing you know kind of uh kind of the yes men like stuff but you know on the right side and it's just like wait a second but the thing is is that you know it's um there you go mm-hmm. and they you know so the whole thing is is that um you know it's uh um a tool, uh, you know, a, a a a tool can be uh you know the the uh, a the use of a tool can be uh shaped by the intent of its user. And sometimes I kind of say about, you know, uh well. And I'm also doing a little uh, double double entendre on tool.
1: But well, speaking of rules, uh, you know, who, who would have guessed that Donald Trump would have his own social media site? I mean, oh, I, I didn't see that coming. I, I should have, but I didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, what, they've you know done real
2: see? well with it too, haven't they?
1: Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I'm there. You know what? You know what's interesting? There are two things. It's like there's a buddy of mine, Ben Grosser, who's a artist out of champagne, champagne, Urbana. He started a um, uh, social media network in which you only have a hundred posts called minus. That's it. A hundred posts. After that, you're done, you know? And so maybe, maybe that's the way things ought to be.
1: Term limiting there.
0: Yeah. That's there's Ben. There yeah. That's go. his, that's his new place, pla- platform, sweet talk and. He's, he's quite prolific. And actually that's it. There's minus. Yep. What if a social network, you know, only gave you a (laughs) hundred posts. That's it. And you can sign up, you get a hundred posts. And after that kicks you
1: off. Social networks. uh, You know, a lot of it has been made just this week about a lot of, uh, criticism of the Zuckerberg uh, attempt at uh, turning us all into the metaverse, and how that has not really panned out in the way that he claimed it was going to. Is the yeah, metaverse? In fact, they,
2: they were saying that that he went way too far down the path of the metaverse because he had sycophants around who were saying, "Oh, this is going to be great. It's going to work," you know, and. and anybody who's sort of got some vr and some tech experience could see that it i mean there would be some adoption but it's not going to be widespread adoption of something like that
0: no no that's like that i I was talking to a guy who was in this whole web 3 and metaverse thing and i just said and and i'm literally i go to him and i say hey i said you know He goes, who's this for? He says, everybody. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you're thinking that, you know, this is maybe we wind up with a, uh, you know, a uh, there's a guy named, I think, Keiichi Matsuda, who did a uh, um, video art piece I wrote called Hyper, Hyper Reality about this Colombian woman, you know, who's like wearing like Apple AR glasses, and she's like constantly you know having to play like little little games and her and her and her jobber you know calls her up and that sort of thing and she does you know she does little gigs but um you know and I, I wonder sometimes whether that's kind of like what the you know what web 3 the metaverse wants to be in or it's kind of this overlay this capitalistic overlay between us and uh, us and us and us in reality but um you know it's interesting is that um was it uh stevenson wrote about that in 95 and here we are you know it's like second life was supposed that online virtual world was calling itself the metaverse in (laughs) 2005 that's kind of interesting 10 years yeah neil's
2: Uh, got his own uh project what's that yeah yeah oh yeah yeah that's
0: interesting isn't it you know and um you know so it's um I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. It's, oh no. Uh, but you know what I asked see. this guy? Lamina. Lamina one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know what I asked this web three guy? I said, I said, you want this to be everybody, for everybody, right? I said, okay, guess what? I got a guy who is a fish farmer in Bangladesh. How about him? And he said, I'll have to get back on you. Get I'll have to get back to you on that well it's it's interesting
2: my observation of throughout the history of the internet as we have it now and as we've had it for you know uh since it's really evolved to like fairly mass adoption sure. that people wanted light tools that they could control pretty well and that were pretty accessible yeah. so instead of VR catching on in a big way, what caught on in a big way was text messaging. Sure. You know, text messaging became like much bigger than so many other things. Anything that is, it's not complicated. It's easy to use. It has a great utility. Yep. And uh, I don't believe that anything that's bulky or has a lot of weight to it or a lot of bloat to it is going to work. And I don't know of any other way to do VR really, you know. No, no. And you it know what, tends to be bloated. it's Some taken a lot something.
1: just to get a usable headset. And they've tried oh. so many ones, and you know, a lot of them are just are just nasty. I've tried them and it walked away or crawled away with a headache.
2: Yeah, I mean they will make you dizzy, they'll give you a headache. There's yeah. I mean it's it's physically problematic. And I don't really believe that. People want to spend significant uh, time within a headset or inside of a headset, inside of a virtual reality. Uh, Now, that's not the way Second Life was. It was on a screen and it was kind of a virtual reality. But Second Life, as good as it was and as creative and useful as it was for so many people, it never had huge adoption.
0: You know what's interesting? It still has a steady state of thirty thousand,
1: yeah. It reminds me of the old thing about uh, suppose they gave a war and no one showed up. But you know suppose they gave a meta metaverse and no one showed up. And that's what's happening, you know for uh, meta well, did did you see that? Did you see that
0: article? I mean, I figured that there's a little a little bit of distortion, in it, but they make a really interesting uh, metaphor a metaphor about it, that. You know that uh, NFT kind of like version of Second Life for, for crypto bros called uh, um, Decentraland and that sort of thing. And they uh, they said there there was um, an article that uh, was talking about uh, at one point going on and uh, on this uh, you know um, millions of dollars platform. You know the um, when they went on there was uh, thirty eight people online. And um, I don't know whether that has a bit of distortion to it. I mean, it seems a little bit low for me, but I think it makes a good, I think makes a good metaphor, in other words. Uh, and then, you know, you, I, I think we, uh, we're all familiar with, you know, kind of like the, the, uh, the, the tech sector saying, well, it's just early days now, you know. And it's kind of funny that sometimes you get a uh, second lifer that says, well, the technology is still in its adolescence. I said, I'm no. Hey, Hey, this stuff, 17 years old. I mean, come on, this is, you know, this is, you know, you're, you know, you you should wind up, you, your avatar should have virtual arthritis by now.
1: Well, uh, an interesting, uh, related development, uh, FTX, the crypto guys. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, Who? Gee, no one. Did anyone see that? I saw that coming, but uh, (laughs) how do we keep getting involved in this kind of, you know, ridiculous uh, Ponzi schemes? Well, you know, for a while
0: there's, you know, there's a lot of people making a lot of money and then, you know, they're, they're showing themselves as examples of, you know, people who are, you know, you know, successful with little effort and that sort of thing, and saying that you can do it too, and for, for a little while, for a little while you can do it. You know, but then the thing is, is that you know, as you, you know, as that pyramid builds, you know that that door slams shut, and there's you got all those, all those people, you know, who were, um, you know, clambering up to try to, you know, get into the sun and that sort of thing, and really all they're doing is, uh, um you know, um, you know, funding, funding these, funding these guys, there was another theory that I wound up hearing, uh, that I, I, I kinda, I kinda believe is that, um, you know, um, you know, when, when, um, they saw Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, Bitcoin going up into the forties and well, it was getting up into the thirties and so on you know, uh, this is when the whole NFT thing started getting really big and that sort of thing. And so one theory is that, you know, um, basically you wind up with all this valuation that gets so big that the market cap that's in in the system can't support the whole thing if it gets liquidated. And so you wind up with this whole NFT market that emerges to try to crystallize some of that value you know without collapsing the entire system,
1: yeah, eventually yeah. the uh, waiter shows up with the bill and someone's going to have to pay the tab
2: yeah. Yeah. well it's kind of a weird thing I mean so much of I mean cryptocurrency and and even nfts are basically selling unique hashes, right that's mm-hmm. kind of what you're doing you're just selling a unique identifier or you're selling a unique piece of code Mm
1: -hmm. um
2: and you know where cryptocurrency uh, where it it came from a thought an idea of having a medium of exchange but it really did not become a medium of exchange it became a medium of investment i mean a thing that you invest in um and i don't think that's sustainable i don't see how it's sustainable especially if uh I mean, you got to think about this. What if our, what if we don't have electricity? Yeah. What are you going to do with your cryptocurrency then? It completely no. depends on uh, a fairly robust uh, uh, electrical net uh, grid, you know, to support it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, now this this starts getting into some really interesting things. Are is is net is networked culture sustainable?
2: It I mean it Violet is uh, room. there. It's conditionally sustainable, right? Yeah. I mean, under certain conditions, it's sustainable, but it's not.
0: It it's not under other conditions sustainable at all. No, no, no. I mean, you can't you can't have. I mean, it's interesting now with you've got crypto going over from proof of work to proof of stake, you know, and you know, and Bitcoin hasn't done that yet, but ethereum just did. and you know that was probably like you know taking taking Finland offline, you know, and that sort of thing. But the thing is is that um you know, is that you know in the long run, is that is that going to be enough? You it's
2: know? sort of like the thing with water. I mean, so I'm living in a city where, at the moment, water is cheap and readily available, sure. and we have pretty good water, right? Yeah. Uh, but we learned a year or so ago, uh, when we had no water, what it feels like to suddenly be cut off from that. And what we know, or what planners will know anyway, is that you can't just infinitely build out and add more population. I mean, more and more people keep moving to this area, but the water tables are such that you can't sustain unlimited growth. No. So the question is, what do you do about that? If you do still, if you continue to have people moving in, I mean, we've had a steady flow of people moving into Texas. I think maybe it's slowed down partly because Texas has become politically toxic and yeah. we have people who want to move away from Texas now, but, but this is a problem. And and the problem of scaling also applies to electrical grids and to any resource, really any resource that you have can, can scale only so much, but can't yeah. scale infinitely. And and we tend not to take that into account. And science fiction, the earlier,
0: more techno utopian science fiction, especially, didn't take that into account so well. No, no, no. I mean, it's like you know, like Frank Herbert's. You know, they're, you know, you just basically he took it into account. he, He took it into account. Yeah, and you know, there, you know, there were billions upon billions of people, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the throughout the Imperium and that sort of thing. But you know, they just kept going, you know taking them the mysterious Holtzman drive and you know going out to wherever and populating someplace and that sort of thing there were enough planets you know that could do that you know but you know right now as they say there there isn't any planet b but oh that- so this i'm sorry i
2: was gonna say this gets us to the thing about science
0: fiction yeah 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 so
2: which is so- i mean my thing about science fiction has been that we have come to believe things that are not Necessarily real, because we have seen them so often in various forms of science fiction. they've they've been uh, reflected so many times as realities that we have come to believe wholeheartedly that they might exist or could exist. Uh, one of these is time travel. I think that's one yeah. that is, you know, very unlikely. But another one is this idea that, oh, when we fill up when there've got too many people for the Earth, we'll just fly into space, we'll move to Mars, we'll start colonizing other planets and we don't know that that's possible well Elon we don't even know that his. we can make the trips, yeah, but
0: you know Elon's old moon. <laughs> well <laughs> i've I've it's it's kind of funny is that I I wound up doing a lot of study on uh on the whole Martian thing. Cause uh, a friend of mine over in, in the UAE and I, we, we did a, we were doing, we, we were actually proposing VR habitats for, you know, for people, you know, in, in Mars colonies and that sort of thing, because you're going to wind up in these, you know, relatively cramped quarters, you know, or you're going to be on a, on a ship for two years and that sort of thing. And you need a way to feel like you're not, you know, in a can you know, so this is one, one thing, one really good, really good psychological use for VR, you know? And, um, so it's like, um, but, um, wound up doing a whole bunch of studies on, on Mars and that sort of thing. I think, what is it? It's like, you know, um, uh, one, six, you know, one sixth of the, uh, gravitational pull, doesn't have a uh a liquid center so it you know it doesn't have a uh doesn't have a, a strong magnetosphere which means basically all of the cosmic rays come in and bake you um and you know you're only going to have a um uh, uh an atmosphere one six a sixth as thick you know as united uh, i mean as the as uh, as the earth at best so the thing is is that uh you know um you know, I, I, I think we're getting sold a bill of good of goods on Mars. I mean, Mars is interesting. The moon is interesting. I think, you know, the, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, um, I think this whole idea that Musk has, you know, that's based on this, let's, let's go and hook into this thing, this long-termism thing and, uh, you know, effective, um, uh, altruism thing. You know, basically talking about doing whatever is necessary for the long term, you know, long term existence of of the human species.
1: I get the Um, feeling that Musk is not going to uh, actually do that himself. It just it's it's a good way for him to make more money.
2: He's going to spend the rest of his life trying to make Twitter work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good luck on that but, you know if, if he really wants people to work to work and live on, on mars he should go to that uh, the original uh, uh, does the original biodome still in existence lock him oh in God. a biodome for a while to see how he yeah. That. yeah
0: yeah yeah that'd be Bi- a, biosphere 2 biosphere 2 that's it
2: i think it still exists but i don't think it's being used in quite the same way as it was yeah um, yeah yeah. you can right. visit biosphere Two. yeah uh, i mean oh here we go i found biosphere Two. this was a pretty cool project
0: it was wasn't it
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the only and, problem you know, with it is they've had a lot of human beings involved and that's always uh, <laughs> what i the, know we just set yeah, it up, up that's every right. time yeah I mean, actually,
0: you know, to, to to be perfectly honest, I mean, from what I knew about it and that sort of thing, I, I think they're probably their biggest uh, issue was, is that, um, well, um, the amount of deep, sheer detail, you know, I mean, just the sheer diversity in in, a, in an actual biosphere, you know, on earth is just you know so minute and that sort of thing it's it's really hard to duplicate and then the other thing is is that um do you think that maybe they just didn't have a big enough scale but for a biosphere yeah in other words like to support you know to support that number of human beings in other words in a in a balanced way
2: i don't recall the story there but it seems like they had management issues
1: yeah yeah, and apparently the uh, you know the expectations didn't match up with the actual technology they had at their disposal. I mean, they really couldn't do all the things they needed to do to exist in mm-hmm. the tunnel. not yeah. for an extended period of time. It'd be great for a couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I think they were starting to get low on oxygen and stuff like that. And, you know, so. But what I think is really interesting these days is, um, you know, there's, you know, like with AI and you know all these things. I do a lot of. Um, I don't necessarily want to get it. I, I think maybe AI and art might be a really good thing for another for another thing, but maybe not today because I think that's a, a little a, a little bit long, but. Um, what I think's really interesting is it seems like so many things are going from science fiction to uh reality, and it was like talking about you know the metaverse. You know, it's like within twenty years. You know, in other words, it's like what's an iPad? It's basically you know the pad from Star Trek: The Next Generation, sliding doors, original Star Trek, and that sort of thing. All these things are under like 20, 30, 40 years, and uh, was it uh, you know our our uh, uh, colleague, Bruce Sterling, was working with uh, Salvatore Echinese and his, and his um, partner, uh, Oriano uh, Persico, out in Italy with the, uh, was it the, uh, the Near Future Design Institute. And I think that made a very good point. You know, in other words, the idea is that maybe science fiction, you know, has collapsed into near future speculation. yeah i
2: don't know i i'm a little bit at a loss here myself because i haven't been reading so much recent science fiction Mm, that's true but there you know there's a whole new generation of authors out there that i'm pretty unfamiliar with and and they're diverse Mm -hmm. um they're they're diverse uh they're gender diverse and they're racially diverse and uh they're writing some pretty amazing stuff. I mean, there's some there's there's categories of science fiction or subgenres of science fiction that uh, that are pretty new and vital and vibrant. And I haven't been reading in those. And I it's sort of like on my list that I should be reading more science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about Afrofuturism, which is a term that Mark Dearie coined, but it's become a thing in science fiction, for yeah. instance. As a for instance, yeah. Um, so I, I don't really know what's happening in science fiction now. And mm-hmm. I, I think that you know, if if Bruce is look, Bruce will look at it through sort of the lens he has. Um, yeah. I don't know whether he still reads a lot of science fiction or even hangs with a lot of science fiction people. I know that um he has really been interested in design and futurism and that sort of thing yeah um, and i don't know i so what i'm basically saying is that i should read more science fiction and probably all
0: of us should i mean i i, I hear some of the couple couple notes that, i mean i heard i hear there's you know some, some some great stuff coming out of china you know and that sort of thing which kind of you know blew my mind a little bit and you know there's there's uh you know some stuff out of iran actually which is you know that you know uh not a lot of it's translated but i i I, you remember that you remember that electronic frontier foundation party when when john perry was still alive and there was that that panel that um i think john perry and, and bruce and i think Cory Doctorow and that sort of thing and he and there's one point where Bruce is just kind of going it's like you know what this is this isn't the this isn't the this isn't the future I wrote about and I, I mean this, that's I think that this that, isn't the dystopia I wrote this about isn't the dystopia that I wrote about yeah exactly and I think that's one of like the tying tying phrases for this kind of this this whole discussion in other words it's like the people who you know, wrote he wrote the cyberpunk dystopias and that sort of thing. That, you know, weren't weren't even remotely prepared for what's going on today.
2: Are we living in a
0: dystopia? Uh, well, you know what? It's I, I I call it an atopia. You know, in other words, it's like no topia at all. <laughs> you know, well, you know, well, you know, it's 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 a uh, it's a plutopia. It, it is. Yeah, we've got one of those. So. Yeah, well, you know, in other <laughs> words, we have a reality. You know, it is Yeah, I'm just kind of like an atopia is sort of like saying it's not necessarily utopia or dystopia. In other words, it is what it is. But it's the thing is is like the 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 functioning and dysfunctioning. Let's go back to you know to uh William Gibson's things. Like it's unevenly distributed. It's you true.
2: Know, I, but you know, I'm considering so. I and most of the people I, I'm aware of, uh, with exceptions, homeless yeah, people, that sort sure. of thing. But I got a roof over my head. I have uh, carefully balanced uh, temperature all day, every day, and all night. Yeah. Um, I have all the food I could ever hope to eat. In fact, sure. some pretty great food available to me. Um, I, you know, I have a car to tool around in. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, from what I can see, people are living pretty well right now. Well, a- at the same time, I hear people talk about having like a great dissatisfaction with the way things are. And I keep wondering, you know, what is there to be dissatisfied about? Things have been going pretty well for
0: us. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say, you know, in regards to America, you're seeing things, you know, where the general... You know, quality of life, you know, you know hasn't hasn't improved as much or is kind of flat compared to post-war. I mean, I think that's kind of what people are seeing, or you know, is they're seeing possibly, you know, a, a slower improvement, or you know, or but has or, it got worse? You know what? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I I think I think a lot of that is perception, but I'll tell you something: is that after living in, in, in living in in Asia for six years there's a big chunk of the world you know that isn't living anything like we are
2: oh yeah and i should i should clarify when i said all that stuff i was talking about how things are really pretty good in america
0: yeah and And how i don't understand why
2: americans have anything to complain about uh but other parts of the world are there's places that are just terrible i mean haiti
1: Yeah, there are some Americans that uh, probably do have something to complain about because there's still a lot of uh, uh, inequities in you know the depending on who you are and where you're from and where you're living, uh, you could be living well or you could be uh, you know living in a cardboard box under the freeway.
2: Well, that's I mean I did mention homeless people and there's relative issues and there's people who. are not being treated fairly
1: that's at right. all,
2: mm-hmm. and there there's actually uh, well in, equality inequality. That's kind of part of the debate now, isn't it? I mean, it's like um, social equality is what the left is about, and on the right they favor hierarchies. Yeah, you know, that as I understand it, those are significant differentiating factors between the left and the right social equality on one hand hierarchy on the other hand yeah and I mean, uh, I- and we see that hierarchical thinking we see the right taking a lot of power right now yeah. and and we also know that people who are not white yeah i i don't i could have said people of color or i could have said whatever um i i don't know what terms are acceptable anymore yeah. but people who are not white are not necessarily treated in the same way as people who are white
0: they definitely are not Yeah, you know, and and the other thing is that since i you know since you know i was shall we say as well as since we were all younger the um you know, class inequity has you know it, you know exploded. Like you know, your your CEO, you know, might make three you know would um you know back in the sixties or something like that maybe make fifty percent, fifty times more mm-hmm. than you know the guy on the floor. You know, but now he's making four hundred or or like Musk making maybe like five thousand know, times fifty thousand times more. You know, and there was like there's a you know the the class distribution. You know towards the top has just kind of gone gone haywire. How did and, Elon
2: Musk become the richest man in the world? I wonder.
0: Uh, well, I mean it it sure didn't didn't hurt uh, that his uh, parents had an emerald mine. Oh, I guess you're right. Uh-huh. And then you know he he did a couple of sweet deals on. Um, you know, a couple uh, of major um, um, uh, Internet companies, you know, and that's the sort interesting
2: thing. thing about Musk, from what I've been able to gather, is that he never really created any of the things that made him wealthy. Neither he did was...
0: Edison. Huh? Edison. Same for Edison. Oh, yeah, exactly. He, I guess he's sort of like Edison. Yeah.
1: You know. Which... And about as nice.
0: Which is ironic because he owns Tesla, which, yeah. he, which he which he didn't create.
1: And I, I I wouldn't put it past him to go out and kill an elephant with uh, AC current the way uh, Edison did. Uh, oh my lord! <laughs> yeah, for some sure. of these like
2: wealthy guys who were supposed supposedly men of genius uh, were certainly not not good guys, and they were not good to people who worked for them uh musk has that reputation bezos has that reputation a lot of these guys have the reputation for like for kind of like standing on the backs of the people who work for yeah. them
0: you know what yeah you know what's kind of funny is is that you know that what I, I sometimes wonder about whether whether gates deserves as much flack as he gets
2: yeah i think he's been a better guy it's interesting bezos said the other day that he's going to give away his wealth and he was, I mean, he went for quite a long time without, well,
0: making you know, that gesture. Well, I mean, you know, that's 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 the other argument that goes with long termism. In other words, you know, in in other earn to give. But the thing is, is that that that's that's almost, that's almost feudalist. You know, in other words, it, that's you know, that's that's non-democratic in other words it's it's um i'm maybe i'm not using i'm not using the right term but feudalist but in other words the idea is is the matter that you become you know you you know you become become an oligarch so that you know you can have this single vision towards the betterment of society rather than have it being coming out of the will of the will of the people or the you know the will yeah i get it and what's what's your opposition
2: to long-termism Hmm? Why are you opposed to long-termism? I oh. mean, my understanding of long-termism is it just means, you know, sort of giving priority to long-term effects. Uh, so, yeah. for instance, climate change really needs, we need to be thinking long-term.
0: Well, the thing is is that if, if, if you if you get into the reading on it and that sort of thing, it's 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 about how how they do it. you know, in other words, as part of it is like this, you know, is this, you know is that it gets done by the oligarchs and the you know the other point is is that, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of the philosophy around it is basically having to do with what the value proposition of the human being has to to society and you know what and that dictates their their viability as a you know as you know as as a valuable person to the species and you know there and this starts you know there are subsets within this group that starts talking about you know um you know about uh eugenics and you know the the other idea of the uh, there's kind of a, you know, um, a post-human branch talking about the idea of saying, okay, we may have 10 billion people, but then the other thing is that what we need to do is we need to have, you know, all of these AIs that go out into the universe. And we might have, you know, 50 quadrillion, um, you know, virtual people, you know, in cybernetic environments, living happy, happy, lives and that sort of thing while well, you know you've you've got the you know the legacy flesh you know still back on earth and that sort of thing I'm being you got, got me thinking
2: about I saw a movie called Don't worry darling um, yeah yeah if you've seen that um that's I mean that's really that's about people living in a virtual reality mm-hmm. I mean that's a spoiler kind of and I probably shouldn't say that but
0: and but that's what it's WandaVision. Really about. maybe Wanda yeah yeah exactly you know and you know and then that and then you know and i don't think necessarily the matrix is like this you know but you know it's just you know but what i think's interesting is that when you get into the whole idea of long-termism on surface it looks like you know we're you know we're going to think about you know the long-term viability of humanity as a species but the thing is is what um What's really interesting is that when you start digging into, you know how to, how they're going to go about it. That's where it gets. That's that's where that's where you find fly. Uh, you, that's where you open up the ointment. And you find a bunch of flies in there.
2: Yeah, you know the other thing uh, that this makes me think about is Doug Rushkoff's new book, yeah. "Survival of the Richest."
0: Well, that's you know that's 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 uh, that's 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 related.
2: And it's really just about how wealthy people are sort of building out their safety environments to so, survive I, the apocalypse, whatever that apocalypse might be.
0: Yeah, I think a couple of things is that I mean, on one hand, is that uh, there there's a guy Nathan Schaefer who uh, actually runs um, a, uh, a a comic book. Um, well, I mean. He, he got a creative capital grant and he has a uh graphic novel company and that sort of thing who works with uh, indigenous peoples up in the northwest called fish ed so- fish ed soup and you know a lot of his stuff is uh is um anglo and um uh, indigenous um you know um stuff about uh about climate change which i think is 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 really interesting and then um you know, and i guess I guess what i was i, I was I was getting at is that you know what they what what's the discussion has been is the idea that you know once you have, with with an increase of education and there's discussion of what education is and who's education, et cetera, and that's valid. But the thing is is that you know, in other words, wiser people tend to have less children. And that's probably a real lightning rod, you know, uh, thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, it's like, yeah, but you know, you, you see people in more developed uh, countries and they, te- you know, they tend to have less children and that's probably a lightning rod discussion. But what's interesting is that that's basically been the argument for, um, you know, population control that it had happened on its own, but we'll see, you know. Malthus is Malthus still has a
1: point. Well, We see a lot of the, uh, right wing here in this country, uh, saying that we need to have more children, you know, th- you know, they don't want to have any abortions and they want to increase uh, the number, especially, uh, the number of uh, re- Republican children, I guess, of course. of course. Well,
2: I don't know. I wonder about that. Yeah. I want, uh, I mean, if they really want to have more kids, just let them come across the border.
1: Wrong color. Oh my! <laughs> it got really quiet there for a minute.
0: Yeah, I, no, no, no. But you know, anyway. because, but you spoke truth. You know. <sighs> We're down
2: I, to one minute. All you right. got
0: any last thoughts? Man, um, you know, I think. I, I think I, I think we hit a lot of notes. I, I hope that people were at least somewhat amused. It wasn't always funny, but, you know, I, I hope it was at least thought-provoking, you know? Everybody knows that we're crazy. You know, future's futures lumpy.
2: Yep, yep. Like gravy. Lumpy gravy.
0: <laughs>
2: no, way. gravy's wavy. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, always, always. All right.
1: We'll see you the next time. You can follow the Plutopia News Network at plutopia.io. On Facebook, go to at Plutopia News. On Twitter, it's at Plutopia. With John Lepkoski, I'm Scoop Sweeney. This is the Plutopia News Network, 20 minutes into the future.